Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Everybody ready? Today is Tuesday, right? Take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget Taco Tuesdays. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Zone Gordon, that's the siren. That means it's it's time to do showbiz, not um, chat with hands. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Ready to go. Are you sure? Because I, I, it doesn't seem it that was way. questionable when I talked to you earlier. But uh, no, I, I got uh, I got business taken care of, and I am raring and ready. To go, and uh, I think we should start by wishing everybody a happy new year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because we won't we won't be on the air uh, live tomorrow. So okay, wait a minute. So hold on, real quick. You're you're right. Happy New Year to everybody, and, and we'll get to that. But but I'm I'm curious about something because I talked to you on the phone, and you, you were not in a good mood. No. You were you were a little grumpy. You got you had some stuff happen today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now you are in a good mood. And your explanation is, I took care of business. So <laughs> I wanna, I'm just curious, what do you mean? Uh, I just uh, got. Uh, no, no, it wasn't that. Thankfully, uh, let's not, let's not go there. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, you know, sometimes you just gotta handle some stuff that comes up, and uh, happy to do so. And uh, it is the end. Of the year, it is the end of a decade. You know what I was told once? I was told by an expert that when you have a line in the sand or something a little more substantial than that, you have some sort of demarcation, like like the end of a year, end of a decade, end of a century, that in the run-up to the end of the end point there, that... Inventions are uh, increase, uh, progress is made because it's a natural sort of deadline that's there and people are working hard to get uh, get whatever it is they work on taken care of. So I think that's interesting, man. The end of a decade? Just an expert know. told you this, huh? Yeah. Any, yeah. any particular kind of expert? Uh, I can't remember who it was. I was, talking, it was when I was in Los Angeles and... Uh, 
I was working on something that was related to that. Was it the hot dog story? Were you at the no, hot dog factory? No, it's no. not the hot dog no. story, but it was a story. I think it probably, I think it might have been the end of uh, the end of the decade of the eighties, I believe. And that's what that's what people said. That's what they they said that uh, you'll notice uh, as we barrel ahead to the end of the century, the year two thousand, that there will be an increase. And then they listed off all the things that have been accomplished uh, before the you know before the nineteen hundreds started, and it was rather impressive. Well, I just think of the the advancements uh, in your lifespan alone, Gordon. You've gone from uh, you know the the Model T. To the Tesla. I mean, there's just been, I mean, just think of where automotive technology alone has, has come in that, that period of time. Uh, a lot has happened. A lot. Because a lot of my friends uh, had horses and buggies. And uh, so we have, you know, when I see the uh, high tech stuff. That you can transport yourself in nowadays. You're too good a sport with the old jokes these days. You know they used to, of course. <laughs> you know, cut you deep, and now you're too good of sport with the with the old jokes. In all seriousness, what was your first? What was your first car that uh, that you drove around? Whether you borrowed it from your dad or whatever. Well, the first car that I owned was. You're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh. It was a Pontiac Trans Am. What year, though? I think it was a... What year was that thing? Oh, man. I don't remember the year. A Trans Am, huh? Yeah, with the big bird on the hood. What kind of what kind of message were you sending with that? And by the way, what year is it? When did they make the, the bird on the hood Trans Am? Wasn't that a Firebird? Well, no. No, it was a, it was a Trans Am. What year? I can't remember you the year. You can, too. You love cars. You remember these details was, very well. Just, Don't give me this. It was a 70s model. Okay. Yeah. Get you a lot of gals? Uh, well, as my dad uh, had told me, many has told me many times, when you're as ugly as you are, you need a car like that. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the ladies liked it. Yeah, it was, Did they? yeah, it was like a six point five liter man. That thing, that thing could roar. So you know the the liter engine, but you don't know the year. Again, I don't believe you. It was it was seventies, some seventies. Kathy Yanker, remember uh, remember? Uh, isn't the Trans Am what uh, what Burt Reynolds was driving and Smokey and the Bandit? I don't know. Not sure. Okay. Anyway, happy New Year you to everybody out know, there. You don't care. Well, the the conversation has slowed a little bit while you ponder your Trans Am. So I thought I <laughs> <laughs> thought, thought I'd reset and pick us back up. Okay. A bit. Let me ask you this question: okay. What car did you drive on your first date? Oh, that was probably an '87 Honda Accord. And what was the year? Oh, what would that have been? Well, actually. Let's see. So, the first date I ever went on, I couldn't drive. So, are you talking about the first date I was able to? Were you chauffeured? Oh, uh, we had like friends. Ah, you know. Uh probably yeah, yeah. The eighty-seven Honda Accord. Mm-hmm. We used to practice putting. What on- year? Well, oh, sorry. What year is what you asked me? Like probably ninety-five. Oh, okay. Ninety-six. So it was a vintage car by the time you were actually driving it. Yes. Well, that's all right. That's all right. My buddy, my friend had a 67 Mustang. 
That uh, convertible. It was sweet. Okay, I know you could talk about cars all day. I, I can't believe we went down this road. Tune into Utah Car Sense, 10 to noon every Saturday. Gordon Gordon threatens to call in every week. The first car I drove on a date was a Pontiac Catalina. That thing was that was kind of badass. I'm, actually, I, I'm sorry, Austin. Uh, this all started with uh, us wishing everybody a happy New Year. So let's let's get back to that. Uh, we have a lot to do on the show today. Bowler is going to be on the show at 3:30. PK is going to be on the show hopefully around the four o'clock hour. But we're also waiting. Jordan Clarkson is going to be calling into the show at some point today. We're just trying to lock down exactly what time, but the newest jazz band, or one of the newest jazz men, is going to be on the show at some point today, so stay tuned for that. Or as uh, Austin calls him, Sparkson. That was Tony's idea. I did hear that uh, this morning. Yeah, but I have a feeling that you were the one that was uh, promoting that, not Tony. Yeah, maybe. And Uh, Tony said I could have it. So you know what? Yeah, it was mine. It's my idea. So the big show also, we're going to take kind of a hiatus. It's a little bit of a different big show today. We'll uh, we'll be off from 4.30 to 5.30 and then back at 5.30. Ute pregame and all. Hans and Frank will be back. Hello, goodbye. Indeed. Hello again. Big plans for New Year's. Gordon, what are you doing tonight? I'm Hitting the co- town? I'm covering the game tonight. As far as at midnight? Yeah. Boy, I don't know. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Probably uh, something rowdy. Mm-hmm. Like? Like what? Starting a bar fight? What do you, what do you mean, <laughs> rowdy? No, that's what your friends do. You know what? You're going to brain somebody with a champagne bottle? What do you mean by rowdy? I haven't planned it all out yet. you got to be spontaneous. <laughs> okay. Let's go. No, I mean, I don't know. What do you do? Do you kiss, uh, do you kiss uh, your uh, lovely bride uh, to bring in the new year? Of course. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? That's tradition. Don't you? Well, either you kiss your bride or you kiss the closest woman to you. When was the last time you tried that? (laughs) How'd that go? I don't think I've tried that for many years. No? No, Many years, so you have tried it. Because I don't believe you've tried it. (laughs) Probably not. No. No. Mm -mm. Austin, big plans on New Year's? Yeah, me and a bottle of NyQuil. Uh, Yeah, Austin's not feeling well today. Come here, baby. The sickness in the Horton household is... Caught up with our boy Austin just in time for a day off. That's right. Hey, you're going to be able to use your snowblower tomorrow, I think. No, I'm not getting out of bed tomorrow. Oh, I'll use it Thursday. We're supposed to get a big snowstorm tonight. Oh, no, you should get out there while the snow is falling. Do I sound like a guy that should be out there while the snow is falling? <laughs> I would think your your uh, enthusiasm Do I sound to... like a guy that should be here? I think your enthusiasm to use your, your brand new snowblower would outweigh the the sickness. Yeah, the adrenaline. Yeah, you'd, you'd be able to, like, you know, come hell or high water. You're getting out there and, and using that. Everyone on the streets getting their snow plow or, or their, their driveway snowblower. Yeah, I have a 102 degree temperature. What of it? I'm going to use my new snowblower. This is happening. This is your first time. I'm sweating already. Why not go outside and sweat? Why yeah. not? Yeah, exactly. Do you Have you named your snowblower? No, she'll name herself when the time comes. When the time is right, you got. He's got to use it first. I mean, how how else are you going to know if it's a, you know, a Darla or a, you know, doesn't Beth. sound like a Debbie. No, <laughs> nice. All right, uh, we'll talk some jazz. We'll talk some utes. Uh, yeah, we'll get does you it, through does this it New Year's Eve. Itself? It's not yeah. a Roomba. What do yeah, you mean? Do you have itself? to push it, or does it does it go by itself and you just guide it? Uh, it it's not auto. What? If someone has to walk with it. Yeah, you walk with it, but does it is it self-powered? It's not on tracks. 
Is yeah. Austin can get like a like an industrial snowblower. <laughs> I thought all he's, snowblowers he's, did he's that. He's not president of a Diamond Airport parking. <laughs> what is going on? I didn't Gordon, know that there was Gordon, an Gordon automatic. Was asking if you have like one of those tractor snowblowers that no, you see no, that are, you know what I mean? Just, that are just, just giant. No, it, it propels itself forward as it's, and you just guide it holding on to the handles. I'm not the Jetsons. <laughs> I, I got it off Amazon, man. <laughs> I've never. I, it was I, delivered I, by a person. I don't think I've ever seen a snowblower that wasn't self-propelled. You actually have to push it. That's of the course. only snowblower I know of. Me too. I've seen those giant ones with the tracks, but it's not like a lawnmower that that will is self-pacing. Yes. No. That's what snowblowers do. No, it is not. You mean you have to actually push it? <laughs> yes. Do you, do you have one of those little paddler things? I mean, I, I'm not sure that's going to hold up in a snowstorm. No, what are you, wow, you live I, in a different world you than do. me. You're way out of touch on this one. What are you talking about? Like, like it has the blades that yeah. spin. Yeah. That doesn't propel the snowblower that throws the snow. I know, but it propels forward no, and it you doesn't. guide it. No, it does not. You you have not ever <laughs> snow blown a driveway, have you? Yes. Yes, I've had two different snowblowers, each of which was self-propelled. Okay, tweet us. Do you believe that? Self-propelled, yeah, meaning like like with the lawnmower, you push that little lever and it starts to go forward. Yes. But if you let go of that lever, it stops. so it's not self-propelled. Well, it's not You're like propelling it, doesn't, it. it doesn't take voice commands, <laughs> but you, no, all no. you do is you, you push down on the thing and it moves forward and you push down on the other thing and it spins the blades. But you still have to give it inertia. You have to. No, yeah. you don't. All you got to do is push the, the handle down. That's, that's made up. Yeah. No, he's, he's talking about the, the giant, you know, state of the art, like you, you just drop five gur on that no, snowblower and no. not only will it clean your driveway, no, it's not but it'll come inside and clean your dishes after it's done. <laughs> I park the car outside so there's room for the snowblower. Is that what the idea Kids, is? get on yeah. the snowblower. We're going to school. <laughs> <laughs> My turn to pick up carpool. When I moved to Utah, that was the, that was the best advice I ever got. Somebody said, make sure you get a snowblower. And, and 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 a good one. Was it the expert that said that to you? Uh, our friend Aaron tweets in and says, "Guys, self-propelled lawnmower is a lot more common than a push mower." No, that I got. I know sure. exactly what uh, yeah. like a, a self-propelled yeah. lawnmower. That's, you guys are that's, making it sound that like this is, is some sort of revolutionary technology. It, All you do is you push the thing down so that it moves forward. That happens in the the one percenters of snowblowers. Oh, Most snowblowers just true. have the blades moving and you push <laughs> that it. Is I've just, that is true. I've just Googled self-propelled snowblower. The first one that pops up, $629. Not, nah, nah. People I could have, have bought five of mine. I've had two snowblowers. Uh, the first one I shared with my neighbor to the right, and my second one I shared with my neighbor to the left, my good friend Blake. And we bought we bought a nice snowblower uh, because it snows a lot where we live. And uh, it was it was I could not have done my driveway if I had to push the thing forward. It, it just it, you know there are times when it was two feet deep. You can't do that. I've done it. I seem to with get a by. shovel. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've shoveled snow in my day too.
Okay, we've, we've got to be more productive with this segment than we already are. Bowler's up in like eight minutes. Yeah, let's, let's, get, to a quick, uh, let's get to a quick split story and we'll, we'll set the table for Bowler. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Frazier tries to dive into Moutier, swings it out to the wing. It's stolen by Clarkson. Clarkson bounces ahead to O'Neal. Layup good. Donovan splits it, goes to the window, rises up, touches the ceiling, and throws it straight down the cylinder. Andre Drummond said, no thank you. Halep goes up for the shot. Ingles, after defending the inbound, comes out to block it. Kicks the cross-court pass to Bogdanovich on the run for a three. It's good. Well, it was really important tonight because they shoot it so well, especially the corner three. And I think they only had three corner threes. Um, and I, I believe they lead the league in corner threes in percentage. So uh, it was important. And I think a lot of that, you know, Rudy did a really good job staying in front of Drummond. Um, Drummond's really good at kicking out and finding people too. So we had a couple breakdowns where they, they got a couple. Um, but for the most part, that was an awareness. And our guys did a good job not getting sucked in on penetration. All right, Gordon. Uh, the Jazz win last night over the Pistons, 104 to 81, and and Jordan Clarkson was probably the story of the game. But can I start out right here? Yeah. Man, the Pistons are bad. Yeah. Whew. They're missing a bunch of their guys. So to their defense, I mean they they were a borderline playoff team to begin with, and then you take a bunch of guys off that roster. But oh man, that was a difficult game to watch. Clunky first half for both teams, and then Jazz put it in gear in the second half. Indeed. But uh, Detroit, Detroit. Not terrific. No, not, and the Jazz played down to that level in the first half, but in the second half, like you said, they came on strong and uh, played the way they should have played from the beginning. And I wondered if the Jazz were going to have a little bit of a lull early. Remember we talked about this yesterday, and they were able to overcome it and play Jazz basketball and win the game the way they should uh, through that second half. And... I guess my impression you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, the bench help which came and uh, Clarkson is is helping in a big way seven to thirteen from the field four seven from three that is huge for this team that is unbelievably huge because it is the very thing that was sinking their ship early in the in the season and they have addressed it much to the credit of Jazz management. But I'm telling you right now, Bogdanovich is a shooting slump. Yeah, he he does another of uh, a number of other things nice that makes him uh, a little bit more tolerable when he's not shooting the ball as well. Well, he had that nice those nice moves to the basket where he was it was a quasi layup really, but it was a little farther out than a layup. So he got that going. But his outside shot, his perimeter shooting, has really been. Uh, that that's a bit of a mystery to me because he's such a terrific shooter. Uh, I don't think it's a mystery. I think shooters go through slumps. Are, are you no. saying that Bogdanovich got out of bed one day and forgot how to shoot the basketball? I mean, that's not the case. No, you expect it to come back. Yeah, but it, uh, right. Think, think about what's going to happen when this team is hitting on all cylinders. You know, and uh, really, the time of year for that to happen will be in the in the playoffs. 
Man, if it does happen, if you have Bogdanovich hitting and you have Joe Ingles hitting and you have Donovan Mitchell hitting and you have uh, Clarkson hitting and you have Niang hitting and you have O'Neal hitting, I mean, that, that is going to be a thing of beauty to watch. Well, not if, if your vision comes true because they won't be taking shots because those will all be Donovan's. <laughs> As usual, so hitting, you're exaggerating yeah, how are what they gonna, I said. How are they going to hit shots they don't I take? I said two or three more attempts a game. You said 25. I that would said, be no, five more. No, he averages 21. 20.6. I, I said 24. You said 25. I, well, I'm, if I said 25, I, I amended it to 24. Did you? Yeah. No. I don't. Anyway, not to, to stall the conversation. So the Jazz came on strong and took care of their business late, and I think they felt pretty good about it especially because they're getting that help from the bench in the name of Clarkson. And that that when when O'Neal goes to the second unit, when uh, Mike Conley comes back, Jake, that's, that's big. That's big having those two guys coming off the bench. Uh, I, I think that's going to correct some of the things. It's going to eliminate the drag that you saw with the Jazz earlier this year. I, I think they will go back to, or they will have Joe remain in the starting lineup and, and those sorts of things when Mike Conley get, gets back. But I'm still adjusting to the to the rationale that Joe Ingles isn't good enough to come off the bench. But I do think uh, I do think acquiring Jordan Clarkson allowed them to move Royce to the bench as opposed to Joe because they wanted Joe to be a playmaker with the second unit and be a leader with the second unit, neither of which was really happening. So Jordan can now be the playmaker with the second unit and be that kind of quasi-leader of that unit, and Royce will will come off the bench and be that other player uh, as well. Yeah, because he provides a spark, both defensive and sometimes offensively. And Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles with the second unit, his, his so his strengths were being wasted, and it was affecting him too. Uh, now he sees, he looks around, and he sees the kind of talent on that first unit, and he can make his moves and set up other players and have them absolutely thrive with it. And that was not happening early well, on with I, that second group. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I, I think David Locke brought up something. I can't remember which show he was on when I, I was hearing him talk about it. But with the second unit, the other team is focusing on Joe Ingles. And Joe Ingles, you know, benefits from not being the focus of the other team's defense. Uh, well, I think that's probably true for any player. But he does play better with better players around him because he's capable of setting them up. And then once he does set them up, then some of that emphasis uh, gives him freedom, and then he can hit his shots as well. So, uh, well, I, I guess I, I'm not trying to to, to demean Joe Ingles. Maybe I, maybe I should put it this way: Jordan Clarkson can be the focal point of the other team's defense, and he can still go out and be productive. And what will be interesting to see, and you saw a little of the evidence of this last night, how much will Clarkson play with the first unit? Well, I mean, so so here's kind of what uh, Quinn's mixing and matching, right? Uh-huh. So it's it's impossible to say how much he'd play with the first unit. You saw him play a lot of fourth quarter minutes last night with the, with the first unit. Right, that's what I was referring but, to. But, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is we're seeing Quinn, so he'll have his starting units and then he's pulling different pieces in kind of phases, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And then plugging those pieces back in, and it, it's kind of a phase-in, phase-out kind of thing. So it, what I, I guess my point is, is I think he'll play a lot with two 
maybe three other starters for a lot of the game. Whether he plays with four other starters for a lot of the game, I'm not sure. But what will be interesting is to see if Quinn, if Clarkson is good enough that Quinn goes with more of a platoon type rotation to maximize the time he has his starters together, right? So bring in Clarkson with everybody else, and maybe he's good enough to keep momentum going and then the starters all play together more because the starters together as a lineup is unbelievably uh, efficient offensively and if you could maximize the time they play together that might be attractive well initially when you look at certain players you think it might be redundant like joe ingles and bogdanovich you might think there would be some redundancy there with donovan mitchell and clarkson you'd think there might be some redundancy there but there are certain times when guys who are terrific players go through these stretches you're talking about where they may cool off. And isn't it nice to have that kind of choice or that kind of firepower if you choose to have it on the floor together where, let's say, Donovan cools off. Well, if Clarkson is there, then he might be able to make up for that. And the same thing with Bogdanovich and Ingles. Now, Clarkson may finish some games, Gordon, but he's never finishing games in front of Bogdanovich and Mitchell. I don't care how much you think Bogdanovich is going through a slump. That guy's finishing the game, and you want him to. He's your second-best offensive player. He's really good. Well, not always. Yeah, but you, you go with your guys, Gordon. You know this. You've been yeah, watching you, sports you for can, a long time. But, you, you but if a defense is set up a certain way, then you now you've got— now Quinn can fiddle with it a little bit and uh, and see what works. When Tony Gwynn's 0 for 3, you don't pitch, pinch hit for him in the ninth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. But there was a certain Rudy Gobert who went to the bench last year in the playoffs against Houston. And that was more controversial than was let on. <laughs> but a coach, it's awfully nice for a coach to be able to, hey, you have a star player who just isn't feeling it on a certain night. Well, you've you've got other alternatives mm-hmm. if you. So I, I'm telling you right. I, I'm telling you right now. Jordan Clarkson may close some games, but he will not be replacing either Boyan Bogdanovich or Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I, I'll go with that. But you might see him on the floor still in critical moments, right? Mm-hmm. With those those two guys. Well, he plays kind of a different. He plays a whole different game than Bogdanovich does. Well, I mean, in today's day and age, they're kind of interchangeable. I mean, if you want to go small. But I'm just saying that uh, that Bogdanovich is going to close the game. Typically, yes. Yeah. All right. St- uh, stay tuned. We've got Bowler coming up next. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Jordan Clarkson is going to be able to have a significantly larger impact than what Dante Exum was going to have. You picked up a guy who is a bucket getter. His career is really an interesting one. He hasn't played on bad teams. He's played on the worst teams. (laughs) I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how he melds into this Jazz team, evolves his game or doesn't, and plays in games that matter. He's been in the league for seven years. He's played 28 regular season games that matter. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. As to me 
face You look like my next mistake Love's a game, wanna play New money, student time Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone It's a Total Request Tuesday And uh, Taylor Swift, uh, I requested because she was named the Artist of the Decade Brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. But here's the deal. So uh, make your request at Jake Scott's own, at Austin Horton, at Gordon Monson. What uh, artist or song sums up the 2010s for you? Well, you picked a good one. I like Taylor Swift. And she was the uh, artist of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Indeed, my wife got me a uh, a Taylor Swift uh, record for Christmas. A vinyl? Uh Uh-huh. Because she's also a fan of, of Taylor Swift. so. But by the time Taylor Swift came along, were they still making vinyl records? She's she. I don't know if all of her records are in vinyl, but at least three of them are because they've got three now. Do they still do that? Yeah. With, with new artists? I mean, yeah. with, with more modern artists? Yeah, it was like last year or maybe it was two years ago where uh, vinyl sales moved past digital sales in the UK or something like that. Really? Vinyl's making a big, uh, making a big return there, Gordon. Not to say I'm a trendsetter, but, you know, I've been doing it for a while. You have been. Yeah. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any uh, any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung tab for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bowlerjack. What's up, Bowler? Happy New Year. Jake, how are you, Gordo? Happy New Year. How are you? We're doing well. I mean, the Jazz are doing much better these days as well, Bowler. That's probably... Yeah. More fun for you to call games where the Jazz are actually winning. Well, to be honest, it's true, and it's amazing how one particular player uh, has made such a big impact in just a matter of a week. Uh, Three games, Jordan Clarkson looks like a great fit and just seems to already pick up what Quinn Snyder wants him to do. I thought Quinn... Uh, was pretty bold and just letting him go play in that opening night, his uh, first night on the floor, and just say, hey, go be a ball player. And that's what he did. But I've watched him in practice and shoot arounds. Uh, he's been pretty astute in trying to understand exactly where the, what the Jazz need, what they do, and how they do it. But it looks like he's picked up pretty quick on uh, how to play Jazz basketball. Exciting. Energy, I think, is the key word here. He has brought energy and some more fun. Do you think it's more we'll, fun to the game? Not only is he helping the Jazz's bench, but will we see him on the floor with the starters, kind of like we did last night? Jake and I were just talking about that. Yeah, is that going to happen a lot? Well, I think what you'll see is Quinn is not going to hesitate on putting the best five on the floor at a given time, and I think also it depends on matchups. But uh, you know, in the small you know three game uh, you know test that that he's had, I think Quinn Snyder is. Um, found himself pretty much, you know, trusting this this player who's had some NBA finals experience and you know he's jumped around on a couple of teams but yeah, you know, Gordon it, it just depends I think on a given night. You know, Quinn when I talk to Quinn about lineups and winning streaks, he scoffs. He always does. And you guys know him. I mean, he's he's not a, a coach that really hangs his hat at least in public, on wins and losses. It's, you know, I know fans get tired of hearing it, but, you know, really uh, the focus of this guy is be the best you can be. And he tries to have a good relationship with his players to understand that the starts or the minutes or who finishes games uh, is all about, you know, in the end is the W. And, 
you know, after being around him for six years, I, I really kind of believe that's really, you know, the way that he, he, you know, his philosophy is. And he's had some success. In fact, a lot of success. And now with Clarkson, it gives him a, a piece he needed, that, that not only he, but the team needed desperately. Athleticism. Uh, and, a, and a guy, I think, who really brings edge to the game, uh, and and that's something that Jazz needed too. Was a was another bench player who could also rotate into the starters and be effective, but also bring some attitude, some toughness, and that's what I've seen uh, in the first three games. Well, we were talking off the air around the studio uh, last night during the game and, and kind of looking back uh, on the last decade of, of jazz basketball, and Ben was working on some stuff for, for KSL Sports. But uh, I was my, my thought was, you know, the 2010s, I think, for the Utah Jazz and Utah Jazz basketball was all about the rebuild. I think that was the, the major story, and, and involved in that was a changing of the guard in the front office, a completely modernization of the franchise, both with physical structures, you know, the, the practice facility, the arena, but also adding coaching staff, training staff, scouting staff. I mean, really moving the franchise into kind of the the modern era. And as a guy who's had a front row seat for every single game almost uh, throughout this decade and watching that rebuild firsthand, what do you think about that that progress and, and how, I guess, for lack of a better word, remarkable is it that this franchise has moved in the last 10 years? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great discussion point. Uh, you know, the Jazz could have settled and just kind of played off what was. And, you know, I think they realized uh, when Dennis came in that the Jazz were, that the facilities were okay. But the Zions Bank basketball, you know, campus now uh, is really at the top level of what the NBA has to offer players, free agents, etc. And I use that word free agency too, Gordon and Jake, is because attraction is the key. What do you have that can maybe pull a player from one team to another and attract them in? And I think what the Jazz have done, uh, if no one has been in when they open that up for a, for a tour, you'll see one of the highest levels of training facilities in, in all of sport, uh, I believe that it's just, it's fascinating uh, what the Jazz have done. Uh, so, I, you know, I think again, I don't like to call small market. I'll call it you know mid size, mid market. I think that's something the Jazz needed to do was again to elevate that level to take it to the next step with the players and also bringing in uh, you know free agents and draft picks to develop them. The Jazz, as you guys know, take a lot of uh, pride in developing players. And I think Royce O'Neal is a great example of that, just in George Niang off the top of my head. There's others that are in the G League right now trying to find their way into this Jazz roster as we speak. But uh, the redo of the, of the Arena 2, Jake, spot on. You look, you know, whatever Larry did those years ago, I mean, I still look at his brilliance uh, about how he was so involved with the fast-track program. You guys remember how quick that building went up and the cost uh, that he paid, I believe it was $66, $68 million. To replicate that building today would be 10, 12, 15 times that. So, you know, it's it's an amazing thing that they were able to move things around and then give the fans what they need. And that's, a, that's an experience when you go to an NBA game. It's more than the game. It's also the experience. And I, I think that, too, was another bold move. Also, you got to throw in that mix, uh, you know, Hayward's departure and – the fact that Jazz traded for Donovan Mitchell and his ability to step in when Hayward departed and kept his franchise afloat with hope and teamed up with Gobert, and here we are today. It's a fascinating story. 
It really is. Bowler, with all that investment comes uh, uh, higher expectations, and that's certainly true for this year. And this team seems to be coming around to that, heading in that direction a little bit now. And uh, it, it will be interesting to see if this trend continues and just how far the Jazz can go with all this new stuff they have. Well, you know, I think, and I'm, I'll include myself in this in this comment, I figured that the 10, 15 games was plenty uh, for this team to adjust to one another, but proven wrong, um, and some others, you know, I, I think – I don't remember being around a franchise. <clears throat> I mean, this is my 15th season that the hype on this team, on this, on this city, on this franchise has ever been the high, that high since the days of Carl and John. So, <clears throat> yes, obviously the expectations were there. I don't know if the pressure was part of the transition of trying to figure things out. Um, you know, Donovan and Rudy sharing the spotlight and adjusting to that, bringing in Bogdanovich, the injury you know, to uh, to Mike Conley, and then Joe comes back off the bench as a starter. Again, take your storyline uh, of uh, 2019 with this franchise as we jump into 2020. But, you know, I, I think all those things come into play here. And now 30, what, 33 games in, going on 34, uh, it seems like maybe the Jazz have finally figured things out. But it also has been sparked by the movement of a Dante Exum, who I just don't think was really going to be able to give this team something they needed, uh, you know, off the bench. And Jeff Green may have been a bit disconnected. And so some tough decisions had to be made. But you know what? You're judged upon those decisions. And so far, two second-round picks and Dante to Cleveland to bring in a player of Clarkson's ability. And again, it's a small sample size. But I think you guys have to agree, it's it's been a good move to this point. And it seems like you know, he understands what the Jazz want. He's excited to be here, and he brings really kind of a different level of athleticism that uh, the Jazz needed in that second unit. And who also, as you said, Jake, can blend and play with the starters if needed. Bowler, uh, a few weeks back when the Jazz were struggling that Eastern road trip and, and we had you in studio and we asked you about the vibe surrounding the team, how it felt like the kind of buddy-buddy locker room, you know, rah-rah type of feel was was diminished a little bit. And and I've got to say, you know, the Jazz have, have strung together many more wins and winning probably helps a lot, but it feels like a little of that is returning. Am I off base? No, you're spot on. You know, I think there was an internal look where you turn inside and everybody was wondering, is it me? Is it you? Uh, is it you and me? Uh, all those things uh, that come into play. You know, the last two years, it was really almost too good to be true. Uh, you know, the Jay Crowders, the D Faves, uh, and just the relationship that the entire team have. I mean, it's still a very strong core, but I think that core, maybe when doubt seeps in, uh, then you have, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, the doubt kind of spreads and you look at each other, you look at inside, you look at the, the guy across from you or next to you in your locker room, and it's a process you have to go through. But it's amazing if you stay with it, which the Jazz have, and I think they've had some conversations amongst themselves, which is a great thing to do, uh, that you finally decide, let's go win. And uh, you know, all of a sudden it's come together. And also Clarkson, I think, has to be a part of this too. It, the Jazz were winning prior to his you know his uh, return or his his joining the team, but it just seems to me too that you know maybe that the trade and Jeff Green being released, there's an inner you know you have to kind of look inward 
a little bit. I know this is very, you know, I'm no psychiatrist, Jim, but <laughs> you know what I mean, guys, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think sometimes when you when you stir a roster and make some tough decisions, there's that 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 feeling amongst the team that did who did we leave? You know, did we let somebody down? Was it us? And I think the team, the, the team came together. And Clarkson's just been a perfect fit to this point. And I, I think it's an exciting time, again, uh, for the Jazz. And maybe the predictions come true, but there's a lot of ball to be played, not even halfway through the season yet. Bowler, I've heard you uh, sort of calling for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to be all-stars uh, during broadcasts. And uh, I think Matt brings up uh, a good point. For that to happen, the Jazz as a team have to really succeed to an eye-popping level, do you think it can happen that both of those guys end up as all-stars? And if it doesn't happen, which one's getting in? Yeah, well, both are deserving. Um, I, and I will say this. I think Matt has a point. You've got to be top four, top three to really gain uh, the recognition to be an all-star and also the votes and where they come from. And maybe one does get those votes. Donovan, I think, is still the player that has the most eyeballs on him around the nation. I mean, the shoe deal, the way that he carries himself, you know, on national and on our on our broadcast, and the way he interacts. Uh, I think it's it's an easy it's an easy follow. Plus, the way he's playing, guys, he's he's taking it to the next level. And you know, that was kind of the concern: would he go to twenty five? points a night yes that's where he's at right now and the comfort level uh is is amazing and the confidence that he has in his game he he still shows us new tricks every time he's on the floor so let's go to gobert deserving yes uh dominant defensively yes uh does his offensive game though give him the green light i still say no uh just because and i'm talking about by votes okay by people's eyeballs is he sexy enough uh, to be that all-star on that Sunday in Chicago. And, you know, the thing Rudy is so good at and dominates at is, of course, the rim, but what else in his arsenal? He's starting to show little little jump hooks and those type of things. He still doesn't face up and, and hit jump shots. But, again, that's that's who Gobert is. So you have to accept him for his defensive, you know, uh, domination. Uh, but yet his points tell you that the guy can score, and he does uh, in the Jazz way of playing. Um, so I would think if it came down to one player, I think Donovan would, would again, would be that player to be in Chicago. Would the coaches vote Rudy Gobert in? I think that's an absolute yes if it comes down to it. But uh, I think Matt's comments are pretty true. true. Uh, you know, getting one's tough enough. Getting one player in is tough enough. Getting two in is quite a chore. And the Jazz may have to make another run. Uh, up to the end of January for that to happen. But, you know, we'll see. That's the that's the fun part about it. I know Gobert would like to be there. We know what happened last year, disappointed. And I think that's good. He's an emotional guy who wants to prove to the all of the NBA and around the world that he is one of the most dominant big men to ever play the game. I'm trying to picture him even in a game, like an all-star game, because it's almost like, 
taboo to play any defense on anybody in that game. And, of course, that's where Rudy hangs his hat. Right. Can you, can you see him, some guy trying to sh- show off and showboat and all that stuff, and Rudy swoops in and, and uh, just just blocks his shot left and right? I mean, it would almost be worth it just to have him in the game for that aspect alone. Yeah. No, I, I think you – know, I watched last year and I thought to myself, how would Gobert fare in this game? And as you guys know, there really is no defense played. And so it comes becomes more of a – it's a show. Uh, it's entertainment. Uh, the, the more points scored, I think the happier the league most likely is because the fans like to see that type of offense and the showboating uh, and the athleticism that comes to play on, on a given All-Star Sunday. So, yeah, it is kind of interesting, Gordon, uh, how he would fit in and could he actually play any defense uh, and could he run with the pace? Look, the guy has a gait. The guy can sprint, and he does get up and down the floor extremely well for a big. But I, I kind of am in the same boat of how he actually would fit in on a particular uh, All-Star weekend. Is he deserving? Look, he's a two-time defensive player of the year. That's enough set. Uh, but also it's a style of play. And I think sometimes that may hinder uh, the votes when it comes to, to Rudy. And I, I know that he's aware of that. you know. And again, I, you can't change his game because what he does, he does so well. But at the same time, on that Sunday in Chicago, I'd love to see him there, but it'd be kind of interesting to see if he could disrupt the game for a change. Right, Gordon? Like you said, maybe he changes the tempo of that game might somewhat. Bring some, might and, bring some legitimacy to the uh, thing. Yeah, I, I totally get it, and I see it. It would be kind of interesting to see if it, if that would happen and how he could change the game if the, if the players stay away from Gobert and and where we go from there. But um, we'll find out soon. It'll be, fun. It'll be a fun January to see how far the Jazz can push this because they've got a schedule that really bodes well for the wins, and they've got to take advantage of it now. Bowler, as always, thank you so very much. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you in 2020. All right, guys, and Jake, uh, Gordo, I know you guys uh, like to go out on this night, so just be safe. We'll, uh, we'll do that, and we'll get your resolutions later, Bowler. Okay, good. Please do. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe not. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Bowler. <laughs> see you guys soon. Craig Bowler, Jack, it is The Big Show. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. We're talking about Clarkson being the spark that has now answered some of these problems. Sparkson. Jordan Sparkson. Came up with a great nickname. I did, on accident. People aren't loving your nickname. So First far, of all, Tony. I did not give him that nickname. You did. No, nah, you said it, and I just formulated it for you. Sparkson. Yeah. I said it. You came up with it. No. Like, you, you created no, you it, did. and I presented it. We're in this together. I, I, You're stocked, and I'm alone. No. You pass, I score. No. That's how it goes. No, somebody deflected it. You caught it and laid it in, and now you want to give me an assist. You don't want an assist? Not on this one. It's a good nickname that you came up with. No. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Now I ain't saying she a gold digger, I'm in need. but she ain't messing with no broke, broke. Now I ain't saying she a gold digger, I'm in need. but she ain't messing with no broke, broke. I got em. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, get down girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Happy New Year. Thank you very much for uh, making us a part of your day. We very much appreciate it. 
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. You all right over there? Yeah. What, you're, you're you're taking off the vest? It's got hot in here. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we, we wouldn't want you to be uh, uncomfortable. Did you see that uh, LeBron went out on the town for his 35th birthday last night? Yeah. Did he do any damage? Well, what do you mean by damage? I mean, was he... Party and Hardy, or uh, let's see here. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll just read from this. Um, let's see. LeBron's party was swanky, black tie and gowns. Oh, great! It started uh, at the famed Sunset Tower Hotel on the Sunset Strip, one of your old haunts, I'm sure. Uh, and some of LeBron's teammates, including Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, Jared Dudley, Danny Green, and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, let's see. Um, we're, we're there, along with LeBron's wife, Savannah. He was smoking a huge stogie and chowing down on a three-layer cake, along with his guests. And then they moved to the um, the party to Crazy Girls, which you can imagine what the, the, the theme of that establishment is. And uh, that that was the, the late-night nightcap. So let me get this straight. Did LeBron throw this party for himself? Uh, it's looking that way. I don't, I'm not sure, though. He probably did. It's all right. It's LeBron. I guess uh, really the reason I bring this up is he it, owed it to his friends to do this because they would be so well, disappointed yeah. if he didn't, right? But pretty amazing that LeBron is thirty-five. Uh, maybe his biggest, the, the biggest thing that's gone well for him in his career is he's been unbelievably healthy. But it means that he's also played a crazy amount of minutes, and it seems like with LeBron and Tom Brady and uh, Drew Brees and a few of these just legendary athletes that are doing it at you know. At a at a high level, at an older age, yes. you wonder with these guys when and dare I say if the production is ever going to fall off. I mean, we thought LeBron maybe had had lost it a little last year. Well, it turns out he just wasn't trying. Yeah. So he now that he's interest. now that he's trying again, I mean, it seems like he's just as good. It's it's just amazing what these guys are doing. He is. He. I mean, uh, there are certain things he does that uh, you and I wonder about a little bit. But maybe the same could be said for us. I mean, it, it, he's a human being who uh, has uh, is what he is, and uh, it's based on his own personality and what uh, what his experience has been uh, as an adored athlete. And so, anytime he walks into a room or a gym, all eyes or, are on or, him. Or uh, the bar, Crazy Girls, or a Crazy Girls, wherever, all eyes are on him, and he has uh, adapted to that. And it has affected him to some extent, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I can't. I'm not going to criticize or judge him too harshly on that because think about what that would be like. Everywhere you go, it's kind of like Michael Jordan. Everywhere he went, he was the alpha dog in the room. You know, yep. Every all attention goes to him, and I don't know how you can do that and remain kind of grounded. You know, he and maybe he has in some respects. In other ways, he's unaware and he's kind of full of himself. But I mean, it, it, with that frame of reference, it would be hard, I guess, for most people not to be. Real quick, um, do you ever wonder, you know, what uh, what companies you know think when they see certain patrons coming to to their establishment? Like, like, what do you think a buffet owner thinks when Hans Olsen is is coming to the front door? You know what I mean? What do you think the the fine employees of Crazy Girls thought when they saw LeBron James and uh, you know uh, his teammates in tow coming in for some revelry? Money, 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 money. Rent's paid this well, month. You got it, All baby. Right. No singles. The singles are $100 bennies. That's what they are. PK joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The great uh, Thurl Bailey, kind enough to join us. So you get LeBron out in the West, and obviously you've got some great guards. Your thoughts on Donovan Mitchell's chances of getting nominated as an All-Star? Well, I think he's playing like an All-Star. There's no question. As you well know, that's a popularity contest to begin with. So, you know, we may see Donovan every single night, but there's folks out there voting who already, even before the you know, last year, had their, their picks already in, regardless of whether the guy's hurt or not. So there's no question that he's playing like an all-star and he deserves to be there. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.